Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. I want you to declare this with me. Say, God loves me. God loves me. Jesus is for me. Holy Spirit is in me to lead and guide me. I am a disciple. I'm a disciple maker. Go ahead and hug on the person next to you. Let them know that you're excited about them being here today. Glory. Amen. So today we're going to begin our um, message series titled The Art of War. And uh, today's message title is The Confident Prayer, prayer, prayer. That's a funny word, prayer. The confident prayer, referring to the person who prays confidently, not the thing that the confident prayer does, but the confident prayer. You got that? The confident prayer. That's our goal. Our goal is to be a body of believers who are confident prayers. Confident prayers, pray confident Prayers. Slight difference in pronunciation, right? A confident prayer is what a confident prayer does, right? You got that? So the goal, the end goal is for us to be confident people who pray confidently. That's where we're going, okay? And today's the first teaching in that. Um, so that's the purpose of this message. The purpose of today's message, today is going to be somewhat of an overview. You're going to hear some things in the message today that are carry over for weeks to come. Okay. Um, the purpose of the message is to set the stage for a series of teachings that will result in believers being confident prayers. Amen. Amen. You're going to need your, your personal Bibles. I know that we put the scriptures on the screen, but you're going to need a personal Bible. Anybody in here need a Bible? You need to borrow a Bible? Anybody need to borrow a Bible today? Everybody got a Bible? Okay. You're going to need a personal Bible, and you're going to need a place to take notes. However y'all do that. Notebook, iPad. You're not only going to need these things today, but you're going to need them next week and weeks to come. Amen? If you want to borrow a Bible, we, we have Bibles to borrow. If you don't have a Bible, then we can solve that too. Amen? All right. Um, during this message series, we'll be looking at um, a plethora of Scripture and Bible narratives. We will receive direction for practical exercises to do during the message series in service and also out of service. Okay. Um, 
there's some things happening ministry-wide that will help us develop in our prayer life. For example, next Saturday at our Tampa campus, there's a prayer boot camp that's open to every, anyone, everyone. So I encourage you all to, to be there. Um, right here in St. Pete, we'll be doing a, a prayer walk. Our intercessors will be leading us in a prayer walk. It's something that they now have on the calendar regularly. They do a prayer walk at the University of South Florida St. Pete campus. But we're going to do a prayer walk, prayer walk right here in the, the area that our campus is located in. I want you to be a part of that. We'll give you the dates as they, they come up. Um, also, the, the intercessors, in partnership with, the, um, with guest services, they've prepared prayer cards. I meant to grab an, a, a, an example of one, a sample one on my way in. Um, but there are prayer cards that are available at the table. Every, every family should have at least one prayer card. Raise your hand if you don't. My goodness, man. All these people said they don't have one. No, they, so we need to have a person from guest services giving them to people, not just having them on the table. But so there's, there's one, not just, there, there's one that's made every month. Is that right? Every month there's a new prayer card that's made that you can take and use it in your prayer time and confess it over your family. Your family can get together and this could be your, the, the, the model, the foundation for your family prayer. There's a new one made every month. Amen. So there'll be a person, when you come into service, there'll be a person standing in between the table and the door that will have prayer cards. And if you don't have one, that person will ask you if you have one and hand you a prayer card. Amen? Amen. A new one every month. Thank you. Um, let's see what else we're doing. You will have opportunities during the service to participate in prayer and to see prayer modeled during service, okay? Um, let's see what else. Um, the intercessors also, um, I don't know if they have it today, but they will have a prayer box. Prayer box is ready today? So there's a, there's a prayer box available on the table in the foyer where you can write your prayer request. You write out your prayer request, drop it in the box, and they pray over it. it you, know, the, uh, you know, we have the intercessory, some of you might not know, we have the intercessory prayer department and they keep us lifted up, keep the ministry lifted up, and the members, um, the objectives and the things that are happening in the ministry, they keep those things lifted up in prayer. All right, 24 hours a day, they're on assignment, praying for us, praying for our ministry. Amen? So if you have a prayer request, you can write it out, drop it in the prayer, bo prayer box, and they will pray um, concerning those things. Also, they'll be engaging families in prayer. So after service, as, we, as you leave, the intercessors will be present there. You get with them, and, and they'll pray with your family before you leave to go home. Amen? Amen. 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 We're doing this thing, y'all. Mm-hmm. All the way in. All the way in. All the way in. Glory to God. So I'm excited about this. Welcome to class. Welcome to class. I was listening to Pastor Brian um, teach this morning, and, um, and he got me excited, and I almost came here ready to preach, but that's not, that's not the assignment for today. I had to, I, I wore this hat for two reasons. One is because, you know, as a pastor, 
Um, I believe you have to wear m multiple hats. Not physically, but figuratively. There are many things that you have to be good at. And one of the things I desire is to be versatile in what I do. I want to be able to preach. When it's time to preach, I want to be able to preach. I want to preach and inspire you to respond to the things of God. But I also want to be able to teach. Amen. So I got my teacher hat on today. We're teaching today. You ready? Amen. So here's, here are the, the, the objectives. Here are the objectives of this sermon series. You ready? You can cap capture these. Um, the end goal is to produce confident prayers, people who are confident in their praying. You got that? And in, in, as we go through the processes of that happening, we will settle many misconceptions about prayer. There are many misconceptions about prayer. We need to clarify and settle those misconceptions about prayer. You got it? One I'll just point out right now is that, you know, some, some people, you know, there's, 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 some, there's talk about, you know, right and wrong types of prayer. Right? Is there a right way to pray? Is there a wrong way to pray? There's a misconception that the only prayer that's answered is a confident prayer. We'll talk about it later, but I'm going to tell you right now that that's not necessarily true. There's some prayers that have been prayed and in, in, in even recorded in the Bible, and there's some praying that I don't know about what kind of walk you got, but I know in my walk, there's some prayers that I prayed that weren't too much confidence. I didn't know if God would do this for me, but I said it out of my mouth anyway. There weren't too much confidence along with that, but he sure did come through. Yeah. So we're going to clear up some misconceptions about prayer. Amen. Because you can't have, you can't be a confident prayer. You can't be confident in, in your praying if you're still operating with misconceptions, right? One of the things that we're going to establish, and this is a key thing, this is a key thing right here. This is fundamental, foundational to your prayer life, is understanding that, you ready for this? Prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. The, the, the depth, the, um, the value, the worth of your prayer life is based on your relationship with the one that you are praying to. Prayer is relational. Ooh, that's good right there. Prayer is relational. We'll talk about that more. We're going to talk about devotion. We're going to talk about devotion. Devotion is not a word that we use often, not a word that's heard often. But, you know, um, some months ago now, Holy Spirit said to me, um, as I was praying about some things, he said, increase your devotion. Increase my devotion? I had to find out what that meant. Increase your devotion. And um, what I now know is that your devotion, your devotion is key to your relationship, which then is key to your prayer life. Increase your devotion. We'll talk about that more as the weeks go on. 
And with that fellowship, fellowship, fellowship with God, fellowship, um, you might hear some, some people that have been around church long enough have this term. They talk about communion with the Holy Spirit, communing with God. It's fellowship. One point that we'll make with that is the power of partnership. Know who you're partnered with. This is the fundamental. These are fundamentals to prayer, knowing who you're partnered with. Many people, and I'll say it like this, many people fail in prayer because they don't know their partner. James talks about us praying amiss. He talks about, which basically means that, you know what, you, 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 don't, there's, you don't have some things that you've asked for because you're praying the wrong way. And the result, the foundation of praying amiss is you don't even know your partner. You don't know who you're partnered with. You know, so it's fundamental to having a confident prayer life is knowing God. Know who I'm partnered with. There are some people who will consider themselves believers that I don't even understand that they partnered with God. God is a partner of yours. So and if I am partnered with him, then I need to understand my partner. What does my partner value? How does my partner see this? Right. There are certain things that we pray, for example, you know, we, we pray when we pray that prayer, you know, God, help me. God, help me. Help me with. Help me out. Help me get out of this. Help me get that. Help me with this person. You pray a prayer like that without understanding your partner what you don't realize is that you, you're shouting out, you're yelling out, God, help me with what your partner here, hears is, yeah, I'm about to go to work on you. You're asking for my assistance on something outside of you. But our partner, God, his response to that is, so I'm about to go to work on the inside of you. Right? And many people get frustrated in their prayer life because they're praying prayers, expecting first for external circumstances and situations to change, not understanding that your partner, God, is more concerned and deeply invested in your internal change. Yeah. But if I don't understand that, then I can get frustrated in my prayer walk. Why every time I pray for more money, you get to talking about me? Why every time I get to pray about getting out of this situation, I don't see nothing happen, ain't nothing changed. These church people keep telling me to pray. I've been praying and ain't nothing changing because you don't understand that he wants to work on you if yes. you change. Yeah. If there's some things that change on the inside of you, then the things on the outside, they might change, but they don't even got to change. Because if I change, then the way I see the problem will change. Amen then I see that this really ain't no problem. Right? But those are things that you have to understand um, in relating to your partner. One of the fundamental things of prayer, what's the fundamental things of prayer, fundamental thing of prayer is being able to answer the question, and this is something that, this is a question, it's a big one, this is a question we'll be answering forever for the rest of our time here on this earth, but to begin to answer, or at least to get more substance to the question, who is God? 
Who is God in relation to me? Right? It's fundamental in my prayer walk, understanding who God is in relation to me. How does God respond to me? How does God intervene? Another thing that's fundamental to my prayer walk is understanding my identity in Christ. Understanding my identity in Christ. You know, I'll say it and it might not sound that nice, but it's absolute truth. There are some things that you pray for that God is not, it doesn't seem he's responding to because he's already responded. There are some things that we pray to change We're asking God to do things that we can do for ourselves. And there are many times we're asking God to do, and the the term that I have for it, the way I say this right now, is we're asking God to do things that men can do. And God is waiting for you to ask him to do something that requires God. God's like, man, you can do that. But these are things that we don't find out without relationship. You don't find out without relationship and constant communication and talking and, you know, and and something I was saying a lot at the beginning of the year, but really having conversation with God, you know, an ongoing conversation with God. I'm finding things out as I have this ongoing conversation with God. I'm finding out that, you know what, I mean, if I've been praying about, I've been praying about having good credit. You know, at some point in your walk, that might seem God-worthy. <laughs> I've been praying about having good credit, right? And I'm careful not to say things in absolutes because many of us, we've had, you know, many people have had different experiences, but I, I will say that God is more concerned in your development than the product that we're looking for. God is always placing people over product, the end result. God is deeply invested in you. God sees more benefit in, in the work that he's started and the work that he's promised to see to its completion in you than bringing any final result to your life. God is more concerned with, I'll share something that he shared with me. God is more concerned with making you a wealthy person than bringing a certain amount of money into your life. And many times we get focused on the end result, not understanding that God is doing a work on the inside of you. Right? Fundamentals of prayer, fundamental things. These are foundational things that we have to talk about in order to be confident prayers. Um, who is God in relation to me? What's my identity in Christ? What are my rights? What are my rights as a believer? What are my rights as a believer? Oh, man. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, James, James, we're still talking about brother James. James says you pray amiss. Sometimes you're praying for things outside of your rights. Some people pray for things that are outside of, outside of their rights. Some people pray for things that are within their, within their rights, but not understanding that it's already a finished work. They're, oh, man. You, you pray. 
You can pray to receive peace. You can pray to receive peace. What's the purpose of praying for things that are already made available? I mean, what kind of sense would it make if somebody came to you and asked you for something that you've already made available to them? Right. I mean, what if you're, you know, a a, a child or a spouse or somebody and came and asked you for something that you have already made available to them? How are you going to respond to that? I've already made it available to you. Why are you asking me for things that I've already made available to you? And then the miscommunication with with God is getting our minds to the place where we can understand that he's already made it available to me. There are things that I'm not asking him for because he's already done it. There are certain things I don't have to ask him for because he's already done. Now, in the process of praying and having this conversation, I find out how to access I find out how to I find out how to acquire. I want to find out how to bring in what he's already made available. Amen. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. I'm looking forward to getting into that. Glory to God. So in this conversation about what my rights are, another thing that we'll have to point out is something we, we, at the beginning of this year, we talked about our values and things we value, right? And one of the things that we identify that is essential for us to value is the word of God. You gotta value the word. We have to value the word. For some of us, we have to grow our value of the word of God. You gotta value the word. You gotta value the time that you spend reading. You gotta value the time that the word is made available to you through someone else's teaching. You gotta value it so much that you're, you, pr- you pull up to the dinner table and eat the meal that's been prepared. When it comes to being confident in your prayer, a confident prayer, a confident person who prays, they're confident because they know what they have a right to. Amen, amen. They know what is available. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be real confident if I know I got a right to it. That's right. I don't have no problem asking for something I know I have a right to. And I know that the one who has it is willing to give it to me. Yes. Right? And this comes through valuing the word, getting in the word, studying the word, being faithful to study, being diligent in our study. You understand that? I want to know, I want to know, not just to know, but I want to know to be. I want to know to have it fulfilled in me. I want to, I'm, you know, I, what, I, what I like to say for myself is, is I know Jesus has made some things available. I'm not, I don't want to leave this life and have those things still on the table, but I want everything that he's put out there for me. I want to receive it, right? Amen. So I value the word, um, I value the word to know my rights. I value the word to know my rights. I want to know what I have. What's in that will for me? What did he leave for me? Talking about receiving the finished work of Jesus, right? Activating this identity, this new nature. Activating this new nature. You know you're a new creature, right? You have a new nature. You are supernatural people. You're not just mere human. You're not. 
right? Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, the fullness of the Godhead, you have it inside of you. Treasure in earthen vessels. What I want to read the manual to see how this thing works. I want to read the manual to know what I am actually capable, capable of. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I don't, know, I don't know if this will hit many of you, but some of you. Um, it's like if Tony Stark left you an Iron Man suit. <laughs> if Tony Stark left you an Iron Man suit, what are you going to do with it? You, you, it, I know you'll be excited, and most of us, and maybe me for a little while, you'll just get in it and try to just do stuff. But I'll be the foolish thing to do. You better sit down and read the manual, find out what this thing can do. You know how we do, though. And myself included. Some of you, we got smartphones and don't even know all the stuff that it can do. I heard somebody, I heard somebody say, um, share the story when the iPads just came out. They got a new iPad, and uh, they, they, they took a, a, a trip. They're sitting next to somebody. This is when the iPads just came out. They were sitting next to somebody else who had an iPad. And so they got in conversation, because both of them, I mean, they're like the first group of people to have iPads. And the person asked them, and um, the person asked, um, so what do you do with your iPad? And the guy says, I'm a preacher. I just use it to preach. You know, I got my Bible on here and my notes, and I use it to preach. And the other person looked at him and said, you, you, you're, you haven't even begun to tap into the potential of what that can do if you're just using it to preach, right? And the thing was that what's in your hands is capable of doing way more than what you're using it for but you won't even begin to find out if you don't get in the manual. So you have to value the word. You have to value the word. You know, um, I, have, I have just about near perfect attendance when it comes to church, near perfect attendance. And I know for some people, some people hear that and they get, you know, challenged or whatever, think whatever, and whatever, 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 whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, for me, from the beginning, my thing was the reason I came to this church is because something God said to me. God said, God said, this is where I need to be. My question was, my thought was, this is where I'm going in order to receive instruction so that I can do what I've been called to do. So then that place value on my attendance. And then I believe that this person, this, at that time, this man has been given a word from God for me. Now, my thinking is that the word of God coming through them is for my life so that I can do what I've been called to do, so that I can live the way that God desires for, my, for me to live. So I value what this person has to say because I'm receiving the word out of their mouth as if it is from God. So my conclusion was, I'm just talking about me. I ain't told you to do nothing. My conclusion was, I can't miss. 
Because what if the, the day I'm not there, he says what I need to hear so I can do what I need to do? I'm just telling you what he, what, the way I, I received it. I ain't saying nothing to you, but that was, what, that was my thinking. So I place value on the word. I place value on being present. I want to hear what's being said because this is for me. I'll tell you like this. Peter, I believe it was Peter, said it to Jesus. Jesus finished telling the crowd of people. There were a crowd of people who thought they wanted to follow Jesus. There was about, I think in that time, there was about 500 folks who thought they wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus goes out and says, if you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Many of them went away. About 400, and if my math is right, 478. What's 500 minus uh, 12? The only group that was left was the 12. And he turned to the 12 and said, will you leave also? And I believe it was Peter. Peter looked at him and said, where will we go? You have the bread of life. The word that you speak is necessary for our living. Where else are we going to go? You know, you value the word. You have to value the word. This is how you're going to live. This is how you're going to live your life. You live your life based on what he said. You have to know what you have a right to. What if you're suffering something that you ain't got to suffer? And the only reason you're suffering is because you don't know that you ain't got to suffer that. What if you're putting up with stuff that you ain't got to put up with? My goodness. And the danger is, is that some of that stuff, you put up with it for a while, and your mind will tell you that it's supposed to be there. And the only thing that you have to combat your thinking is what you read in the word. Oh, man, that was better than y'all. Amen. Right there. There are things there are things that I I dealt with that I didn't realize that I didn't have to deal with it until I found out what I got a right to. What you mean? I ain't got to deal with that. You mean I ain't got to walk around with stress? I don't have to be broke. I don't have to be in this situation. Back, back in the day, I don't hear too much of it now, but back, you remember when we used to do a lot of talking about generational curses. Well, you, think, you would think that you could be stuck in a generational curse until you find out what you have a right to, until you find out that, man, I got a right. I'm not even, I ain't even a part of that family no more. I was born again. And now my whole heritage and legacy has changed. Ain't no generational curse. I've been born into generational blessing. But the only way you find that out is if you read the manual. So we have to value the word. You can't even begin to have a confident prayer life if you don't know what you have a right to. Because spiritual warfare is not you fighting against the devil. Spiritual warfare is you maintaining what you've obtained through Christ. Spiritual warfare is not you fighting demons. The devil 
and everybody with him has already been defeated. Yes. Already been defeated. Christ did that for you. Amen. Spiritual warfare is maintaining what you've obtained through Christ. Mm-hmm. We'll look at Ephesians 6. Spiritual warfare is you standing and standing and standing. Winds blowing, but you're standing. Waves rising, but you're standing. Waters rising, but you're standing. Fiery darts being shot at you, but you're standing. And just being able to stand, that's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is you've you've grabbed it, you've grasped what he's done for you, and you're not letting it go. I'm not letting it go no matter what's happening. I'm not letting go no matter what it feels like. That's spiritual warfare. I'm going to maintain what he's given me right to have. Spiritual warfare. We'll talk about that. Glory to God. So it's time to gear up. It's time to gear up. It's time to get what he's left for you. It's time to get your wealth, your health, your peace, your fulfillment, your relationships, your children. Glory to God. Your children's children. It's time to receive. It's time to receive. We live lives in response to the finished work of Jesus. We're not warring to obtain. We're warring to maintain what we've obtained. Amen. 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 Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Let's start here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 from the Amplified Version. Glory to God. Glory to God. So listen, you might need to get some sleep on Saturday. Don't go to bed. At a good time, so you can be, you can wake up on Sunday bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. There's a lot of this I can't shout to you. There's, there's, you know, um, and I believe it's, it's a good. There's a place for, um, you know, preaching in, inspires. Preaching inspires and inspires you to act. It inspires you to go and respond, or it, it inspires you to go and find out. Preaching inspires. Teaching instructs. Teaching gives you the the basis, the material, the resources so that you can do. The end of this, our objective is at the end of this teaching series, we will do. We will be able to see the difference. I want to be able, I want to see, you know, and I'll share this. One of the um, most impactful things that happened when I left Little St. Pete and went to Oklahoma, my first year at Oral Roberts University, one of the most impactful things was seeing young people, people my age, in the hallway praying for each other. I'd never seen nothing like that before. One thing, I'd never seen young people. I'd never seen, I'm talking about teenage people on fire for God. I ain't never seen that, right? So you go to a place when you got 5,000 young people on fire for God. I mean, that was impactful in itself. But then to see people, seeing young people in between classes praying for each other, I'm talking about laying hands on each other. And you walk into class, you walk into class and you got a group of four or five young people circled up praying for one another. 
It was a common, regular thing. In the dorm room, praying for one another. In the hallway, praying for one another. Before every class, we praying for one another. That was impactful, right? I want to see that here. I want to see that here. I want to see families praying for one another in the foyer, in the hallway. I want to see that here. I want you to be more confident to pray publicly. And we'll talk about what that, what it would look, what that looks like. So you don't have to be intimidated about, you know, being weird and spooky. And well, no, 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 no. We'll talk. We'll get into that. But I want to see. We should see the results of this series. We should see the results of this series in the culture of our church, in the fabric of our ministry. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all at Hebrews, Hebrews 4, um, 14 from the Amplified, it says, Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. Let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. What is he saying? Because Jesus is who he is. Because he did what he did, because he is the son of God, because he actually lived a real life and he actually died a real death and he actually rose and he actually ascended in heaven. Because of those evidences, we hold fast our confession of faith in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, who else is credible? Who else is worthy of me tagging my confession? Confession in is what he's saying. I hold fast my confession of faith in him. Now, he says, hold it fast. Hold it fast. Why do you have to hold it fast? Because life is trying to take it away from you. I gave you the analogy. The term hold fast is a, is a, um, is a naval term. It's a, um, um, before the Navy, um, just, what's the word? It's a shipping term. Sailor, it's a sailman's term. That's the word I'm looking for. It's a sailman's term. And what was, it, what was it saying? Listen, while we're on this boat and we're out here in this rocky water and the wind is blowing and the ship is being tossed, there's a, there's a, um, there's a real threat that we could lose the sails. If we lose the sails, we'll lose the ship. Well, how do we not lose the sails? Because if you lose the sails, you lose the ship. So what do we do to not lose the sails? You hold fast on them ropes. You hold them fast because they're trying to get away fast. So you hold it fast. The same with our lives. Life, the enemies of life, the enemies of your liberty are trying to take away what you have a right to real fast. So what do you do? You hold it fast. To hold it fast means to fasten it. You tie it down. You secure it. So Paul is saying, hold fast your confession of faith in him. The reason I have a, a victory, the reason I have victory, the reason I have rights to life and freedom and peace and health and wealth and all of these things is because of what he did. So I'm holding fast. I'm fastening down my confession of faith in him. Right. This is the work. This is the battle. The battlefield is in your mind. The battlefield is in your mind. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. I'm not 
I'm not fighting the devil. Why would I fight? I don't do, you know, I really, I don't do a lot of talk about the devil. Do a lot of talk about the devil. Why waste my time talking about the devil? He, he lost. Why am I going to waste my time talking about the devil? I know some of y'all do, but I don't even capitalize the D when I write, write his name. Lowercase d. He ain't worthy of an uppercase d. He's a loser. So I don't, I, don't, I don't do a lot of talking about the devil. I am paying him now a bit of attention, now a bit. Because I'm a victor. I'm, I'm, my, my work is to keep my foot right where Jesus placed it, right on his neck. That's the work that I do. I'm not letting this joker up from under my foot. That's where he is. When the Bible talks about us laboring into rest, he ain't talking about because of what the devil doing. He's defeated. I got to keep my mind, keep myself stayed. I got to hold fast my confession. It's the work that I do to maintain what I've obtained through Christ. I'm not fighting for victory. Victory has already been won. I'm maintaining what I've obtained through Christ. I'm not fighting to, for wealth. Wealth has already been secured. Though he was so very rich, yet for my sake he became very poor that I, through his poverty, might be enriched. I'm maintaining, I'm working to maintain what I've obtained through him. I'm not fighting for my peace. Peace has already been given. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. He's already done it. He's already fought that fight and he's won it. I'm not climbing back in the ring trying to redo what he's already done. I'm now maintaining what I've obtained through him. So I labor to maintain. I stay in peace. We say that we are the um, we are the healed protecting our health. I'm the healed protecting my health. Health has already been secured. Health and healing has already been secured. I'm just maintaining what I've obtained through him. I'm not refighting the fight. I'm maintaining victory. I'm staying in a position of victory. That's the work that we do. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. This word says it all. And I've been working for you. I've been working, working to help you redefine faith. I want you to get it in your mind. Really sink it down in you. Faith, you know, because we've, we've, for years, we just received that, I don't know, we've heard a lot about faith. And, and, and it's even a word that the world adopted and then they defined it. And then they inserted their definition, their definition, their defini- definition of faith into the church. And many times we respond to what they said, we like blind faith. And, and we, we talk about, you know, I just don't know and I, and I got to go. And we think that faith, faith is having no evidence. Faith is not at all having no evidence. Faith is not at all having no evidence. Listen, the way that if, if the way that many church people define faith were true, 
then that would mean that Peter had no faith. If the way that people, if, we, if, if faith was actually blind, then Peter ain't have no faith. It couldn't have been faith that Peter was operating in because Peter saw Jesus. Peter had plenty evidence. He saw all the wonders. He saw all the works. He saw all the miracles. Peter walked on water. So we would say people who define faith the way that is being defined in some places would say that Peter had too much evidence to walk in faith. But that is absolutely not true. Because faith is dependent upon evidence. Peter did what he did in response to the evidence that he had. Peter stepped out the boat onto the water because he had the evidence that Jesus is doing it. And he is for me. And I got evidence that says that he won't let me sink. So based on that evidence, I'm going to step out here on this water and do something that ain't never been done before. That's walking in faith. Because faith is your response, your positive response to what Jesus did. Jesus embodies all the evidence we need. He's the evidence. Why am I going to step out on what I believe he's calling me to do? Because I got evidence that I can be secure in him. I have enough evidence that says that I can trust him. I got enough evidence that says that he's reliable. That's my evidence. Do you see what I'm saying? Hold fast your confession of faith. Hold fast your confession of faith. What is your faith? Faith is my positive response to what Jesus did. Faith is my positive response to what Jesus did. Faith is my positive response to what Jesus did. Say that with me. Faith is my positive response to what Jesus did. That's a life of faith. The just shall live by faith. What is he talking about? The just shall live by what Jesus did. The just shall live by what Jesus did. Who's the just? We are the just. We've been justified. How have you been justified? Because of what Jesus did. I'm not going to lose my confession in him because if I remove him out of the equation, then I'm not justified because my justification is based on what he did. So I'm going to hold fast to that confession because that's how I got my justification. I'm going to hold fast to that confession because that's how I got my healing. I'm going to hold fast to that confession because that's how I got my deliverance. I'm going to hold fast to that confession because that's how I got hope. If I lose that confession, then I don't have anything because everything that I'm doing is based off what he did. That's my faith. Amen. James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my faith by what I do because everything that I do is in response to what he did. The way that I'm living is in response to what he did. Hold fast your confession of Faith, your positive response to what Jesus did in every area of my life. I want to be able to trace it back to I do this because of what Jesus did. I live like this because of what Jesus did. I say this because of what Jesus did. I'll step out because of what Jesus did. I'll pray because of what Jesus did. 
Everything in my life is linked to what Jesus did. I'm just responding to what he did. That's what my life is. It's a response to what Jesus did. I do what I do because of what he did. Because of what he did, now I can do this. I can live like this because of what he did. I can talk like this because of what he did. I can say it because of what he did. I can get it because of what he did. I can go for it. I know I got a right to it because of what he did. I ain't paying the devil no attention because of what he did. Everything goes back to what he did. Goes back to what he did. I'm living in response to what Jesus did. And I want to, I want to maintain that position, even though what James says, temptation, temptation will come. You'll be encompassed about or enveloped by trial and temptation, but still maintain your confession of faith. Even though trouble is going to come, maintain your confession of faith. Persecution is going to come, but maintain your confession of faith. So the work that I'm doing, the war that I'm warring, the war that's being raged is for me to maintain my confession of faith. I'm fighting to stand. That's the only fight. That's good news to me. First Timothy chapter six, verse 12. I'm gonna read this one from the easy reader version. First Timothy chapter six, verse 12 from the easy reader version. This is Paul's Instruction to Timothy, Paul's instruction to Timothy, who was his disciple. Paul says this, he says, we have to we have to fight to keep our faith. You see that? And what is Paul referring to? We have to fight to keep our confession. We have to fight to continue to respond positively to what Jesus did. Whenever they say whenever they use the word faith, that's what they're talking about. Whenever they use the word faith, they're talking about a response to what Jesus did. Even, even in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, um, now, which should be therefore, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, because of what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. It's only because of what Jesus did that I got something to hope for. Mm-hmm. It's because of what Jesus did. I can believe in what I don't even see. Because of what Jesus did. Everything goes back to what Jesus did. Okay? Um, Timothy, Paul says, we have to fight to keep our faith. Try as hard as you can to win that fight. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of salvation. Take hold of peace. Take hold of reconciliation. Take hold of freedom. Take hold of liberty. Take hold of health. Take hold of wealth. Whatever it is, take hold of it. It is the life you were chosen to have. It is the life you were chosen to have. You mean liberty? Yeah, liberty was the life that you were chosen to have. You mean wealth? Yeah, even wealth was the life you were chosen to have. You mean health? Yep, even health is the life you were chosen to have. Being reconciled to God? Yeah, it's the life you were chosen to have. When you confess your faith in Jesus, that wonderful truth that you spoke so openly and that so many people heard. You see that? So what is Timothy fighting for? He's fighting to keep his position of faith. What is Timothy fighting for? He's fighting to keep his position of faith. 
Why am I making this point to you? Because in the beginning, from the start, I need you to understand that we're not, I'm not fighting, I'm not warring against a devil. (laughs) Listen, you want to know one way to lose a fight? Let me tell you one way. I guarantee you'll lose a fight every time. Fight the wrong person. You fight the wrong person, you losing every time. If you're in a fight and you don't even know who the opponent is, you're going to lose every time. So what's one of the tactics of the enemy? To distract you. So you praying stuff and call yourself fighting against stuff that has nothing to do with your real issue. What do we fight for? We fight to keep our position of faith. What are we warring for? We're warring to keep our position of faith. That changes the game right there, folks. That's a game changer. What am I saying to you? I'm going to just stay right here because this is it. This is like your fight is to stay in faith. The only way the enemy can have any type of victory over you is to get you moved from faith. The only way he can have any type of entrance into your life is if you get off of what Jesus did. When you step off your foundation, that's your foundation, (laughs) the cornerstone that that the others rejected. When I step off of there, then I've given entrance to the enemy because I'm no longer responding to what Jesus did. But as long as I stand in what Jesus did, there's no way I can be defeated. There's no way I can be defeated. Why? Because victory has already been won, and I'm standing in a position of victory. That's why the the subtitle for this message series is we fight from a position of victory. We fight from the position of victory. I'm not fighting to win. I've already won. I'm fighting to maintain what was won. We'll look at Ephesians 6. It says, stand. And after you've done everything, stand. Stand, therefore. Where am I standing? I'm standing on what he's already done. I'm not going to be moved from this place of victory. I'm not fighting against people. My fight isn't against people. My fight ain't against the government. My fight isn't against my spouse. My fight ain't against the children. My fight ain't against my boss. My My fight ain't against... That's it, fight, spite. My fighting against my neighbor. I'm not fighting any of of my fight. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, right? I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. We got to put our fight in the right place. I'm fighting. This is, no, this is me fighting to stay here. I love that. I love that. I shared with you, I think it was a couple weeks ago. You know, when I play hide and seek, one place I wouldn't hide is in the closet. I'm not hiding nowhere where I can't escape. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I love a situation where it's just, if it's dependent on, if, if I don't give away my power, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to put myself in a position where my victory or my overcoming is dependent upon what you do. So I'm not going to blame you. If I got an issue... I'm not going to wait for you to change for my issue to be fixed. That's right. Amen. We might be here forever. Mm-hmm. I love it that it's on me. I got to change the way I think about it. 
Well, praise God, because it brings it back here. I can do that. I love to change me. If there's something bothering me, okay, I'll change me. I ain't got to wait for you to change. I'm not subject to you. I'm not subject to the government. I'm not subject to who's in office. I'm not subject to none of that. This is right here. So I love it that now what he's telling us to do, that the war that I fight is for me to stand. Fight the good fight of faith. I'm fighting people, not fighting systems. I'm fighting to stand in faith. I'm fighting to remain in faith. I'm fighting to remain in the position where I'm positively responding to what Jesus did, because that's where my victory is. That's where my victory is. Amen. So tell your neighbor to fight well. Fight well. Fight well. I'll make this statement. Jesus has provided the weapons. Jesus has provided the weapons. The Holy Spirit is giving us the skill set to wage a good warfare. Fight well. Glory to God. Fight well. I'm going to stop right there. You got some good notes? Yes. So this is what I encourage you to do for the next uh, several weeks. All your, your friends and family and your neighbors that come to you crying about the same old things, just invite them to church. I got an answer for you. I got an answer for you. You take the scriptures that you have, take the scriptures that you've received, and um, go study them, read over them, read the whole chapters. I shared, you know, in some cases, individual or one or two scriptures within a chapter. Go back and read the whole chapter. In some cases, read the whole book, okay? Find out what it says. Amen. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.